ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome to another off-season edition of the Nosebleeds Podcast. Emmanuel Barbari joined by Jimmy Sullivan. Jimmy, great to be with you. How's everything in Dumont, New Jersey? Uh, everything is great in Dumont, New Jersey. Hope you're doing well on Long Island. And we're looking at this off-season and the market finally, finally, just ever so slightly starting to pick up. So that's definitely good to see. And in Yankee land, a lot of sighs of relief. DJ LeMahieu is back. The starting rotation is being addressed. Now, whether it's adequate, that's something we're going to discuss today. Jamison Tyone is acquired for four mid-level prospects heading the way of the Pirates. Jimmy, the first angle I want to take is there's a classic Pittsburgh Pirates move as to not wanting to pay their impending starting pitching stud or lack thereof he hasn't pitched in a while but the Pittsburgh Pirates essentially get not much in return for a guy with a lot of upside and chipping him off to the New York Yankees it's funny you brought up the Yankees and talking about how they didn't give up any high level prospects but I don't know how you could say that when Miguel Yajure might be the best pitcher on the Pirates by July (laughs) I'm, I'm only half joking when I say something like that but yeah you know it's funny um because we've had some deals this off season where you, you look at the return where somebody big gets traded. Yeah. The Mets trade for Lindor and Carrasco. And you look at the return back and I think it's the same thing here. And you're saying, really? Like that was it. And that's a problem. I think baseball faces right now where you have some of these smaller market teams and Jamison Tyone is not on that level. He's a good pitcher. He, he didn't pitch last year. He's, he's coming off injuries, but Nonetheless, you, you have it where these teams like the Yankees, like you know, the Dodgers last offseason and Mookie Betts can go out and get somebody and not have to pay a premium. I mean, Jamison Tyone, if he's healthy, you know, he could be starting some big games for the Yankees this year. Like this is a guy who has, I think, a really high upside, and that's why I like the move a lot for the Yankees. But they're able to get him. They don't give up anybody that you say, oh, he's untouchable. So Good move for the Yankees. Good move for Brian Cashman. It is a a high upside move, I think, as I said, uh, in addition to Corey Kluber, which is, I think, also an upside move. So we'll see how it works out for the Yankees. But if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm feeling really good about what the front office pulled this weekend. Well, the other angle is two weeks ago, you were not feeling good about this Yankees pitching situation, and they hadn't gotten DJ LeMahieu back yet. They hadn't addressed the starting pitching. So you were essentially looking at a much worse team than that took the field a season ago in game five of the ALDS against the Tampa Bay Rays. So now you're stacking up these, you could call it high risk, high reward in the case of Kluber, maybe lower risk with a guy like Tyone in the sense that he could re-injure himself, but you're not really letting up all that much for Kluber. It's $11 million for Tyone. It's these mid to low level prospects, but you now enter a situation. If you're the Yankees where by June you're, you're stacking pitchers who you don't necessarily know where the upside is going to be, but it's high. You have Garrett Cole, 
you're a frontline ace and you're, and you're sure thing. If there ever was such a thing, you have Luis Severino coming off Tommy John surgery, Corey Kluber after pitching one inning in 2020, Jamison Tyone hasn't pitched since 2019. Jordan Montgomery is in the fold as a back end of the rotation starter. That's not to mention if everyone's healthy and that's a big, if you never go through an entire season with all five starters intact, you have the Domingo Hermans of the world and the Davey Garcia's of the world, even going down the line to a Michael King or a Clark Schmidt who has a very high upside. So this rotation is now deep enough where you could get from April to October intact. And with the Yankee offense, you're looking at probably a division title at this point. Now, how good is this rotation? Where does it piece up come October? Who's the front line of the rotation? That is a big question that we may not know for, for several months. I think the rotation is so interesting too, because you look at this division and let's hypothetically say it's a 162 game season because they haven't been able to negotiate everything, anything else. So I'm just going to go with that. You've got to play the blue Jays 19 times. I mean, they have one of the best offenses in baseball now that they signed Springer. Um, so the rotation's got to be pretty good and it's better than it was two weeks ago. Let's just say, do I think there are question marks? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm still skeptical on Corey Kluber. That's a lot of money for a guy coming off a lat injury, which is tough on velocity. Um, so he's going to have to not relearn how to pitch, but he's going to have to be pretty precise in the way he pitches next year. I feel if I'm a Yankee fan, a lot better about the Tyone acquisition. Yes. He's coming off major surgery, a, a UCL revision, which I kind of assumed was Tommy John surgery, but then I read into it and it wasn't, but nonetheless, it? It, it wasn't. I, I just oh. pulled it up to make sure. Um, and it literally said on his Wikipedia, they said a UCL revision. And I was like, sounds I thought, like backspacing on an essay. <laughs> right, yeah. it, they were on 999 words and that was the thousands. <laughs> so there you go. You but now, but I, feel, <laughs> I know. Right. But I feel better about a move like that. I, I think he would be better suited. He was really solid. Uh, a lot of the time he was in Pittsburgh Garrett Cole has spoken very highly of him, and, and that's a guy who would know, obviously. So this rotation is a lot better, but it's going to have to be. I mean, this is not – you're going up against the Blue Jays offense that now has George Springer and Vlad Jr. and Guriel and Bo Bichette, hopefully for them healthy for a full season. I mean, that that's not something to trifle with. I mean, those are the two best teams in the American League East. Rowdy Tellez. Yes, yes, exactly. And then – you probably you've got a gap, I think, between the Blue Jays and whoever's in third, which would probably be the Rays at this point. And the Rays are selling off pieces like crazy. So I, I think the Yankees right now, I would put them as a slight favorite in the American League East, but I'm looking forward to them battling down the stretch with the Blue Jays, who have the the biggest question with the Blue Jays right now, the irony is, is where they're gonna play. Because that was an issue that came up for them last year and might come up again this year. But I think the Yankees, you have to feel like, are a slight favorite at least. Um, they've done enough with the rotation to make me feel good about it. Do I think they've made like enough moves to, for me to sit there and say, wow, they can, they can go out and they're the favorite to win the World Series? No, I don't think they did enough on that department, but I think they've done enough to be the best team in the division. So before we go further on the Yankees, you're comfortable with the Blue Jays starting pitching staff at this point to 
I know they're up there with the Yankees now. You're comfortable enough we're there, right there with the Yankees. That's where you are. Yeah, because their offense is so good. Their their pitching staff's just their their pitching staff is not going to have to be terrific. So I, I feel good enough about that that they can outscore their opponents and maybe even their own pitching staff in some of these games to to make a run down the stretch. Like if we were sitting here and starting the season right now, and I know that's sometimes a, a faulty exercise that's how I would assess things right now. I don't think it's good enough to win the division, but I think it's good enough for them to be very competitive. It's also helpful that the Red Sox and the Orioles, two teams that are going to get beat up on again this season, you play them both 19 times, assuming it's a 162-game season, whether you're the Yankees or whether you're the Jays. So let's dive a little deeper into the Yankee pitching staff. I find it funny, Jimmy, that if you're – playing revisionist history if you want to look at these guys at their upside which really when you look at it it's one year it's 2018 just go back to that year and the Yankees have the best rotation of baseball Garrett Cole Luis Severino Severino had a filthy year in 2018 Tyone has best year in Pittsburgh 14 and 10 a 3-2 ERA and a fully healthy year 33 starts and Kluber was dominant with the Indians you put that together and the Yankees are are riding pretty to their World Series championship and then you still have Montgomery and Davey Garcia in this world and 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 Herman backing all of them up so I can see where Cashman is thinking that's only two years ago technically especially when you consider 2020 is really a fluke that you throw out the window for a lot of people regular season wise so I can see Cashman going into his crystal ball and envisioning a world, maybe not where Corey Kluber's winning 20 games, but the Yankees have a darn good rotation. And you were in a situation in September, October, where maybe you don't have all four of those guys pitching at their peak, but you have three, and then you have a much easier situation when you're entering October. Yeah. And I mean, you also have to factor in, I think too, and I think it's important is that, whenever Luis Severino comes back, Corey Kluber is your number three starter, probably maybe even number four, if you want to put him behind Tyone, like he does not need to be Cy Young Corey Kluber. No one is expecting that guy to walk through the door and it's not happening, but he doesn't need to do that for the Yankees. What he needs to do is eat innings, but be productive in doing so. I think you would want, you know, like a four ERA. The way I've been trying to think about it is, Kluber in a sense is kind of replacing Tanaka at this point. I feel like, because I I don't know how you view the Tanaka thing, but I'm starting to think that that ship has sailed. I think the Kluber move was an indication that the Yankees are not bringing Masahiro Tanaka back. I wanted him back. I still think as currently constituted, you could bring him back and that would be a very welcome move considering you have so many question marks in the rotation but giving $11 million to a guy who you're basically saying, go out, give me five innings of two-run ball, that would be ideal every start for Kluber, which is basically what Masahiro Tanaka is at this stage of his career. So I think Tanaka is definitely not coming back. The fact they really haven't called him tells you everything you need to know. They bring in Kluber. They trade for Tyone. So no Tanaka, no Paxton. And we're talking about a Yankee rotation. Is it better than it was last year? Is it worse? It's hard to fathom because they weren't healthy. Severino had Tommy John. Paxton 
was hurt and ineffective in the starts where he did take the ball. So if the Yankee rotation was healthy a season ago, Cole, Severino, Tanaka, Paxton, that's elite. But not healthy, they were running out King and everyone else. They, they, they put the full gambit at people. So I don't know if it's better or worse than it was a season ago, but it certainly has the upside to be a pretty formidable bunch. And it's funny, too, because I, I think the way we're talking about Kluber and Tyone in the upside sense of it is not entirely dissimilar to how some Yankee fans, I think we're starting to talk about Paxton by the end, like, Oh, if he was healthy or if he did this, or if he did that, if he was like, he was in 2018 in Seattle, it was, it's a lot of the same talking points. So yeah, I would say that this Yankee rotation as constituted right now is maybe a tick worse, but could it be better? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, it's within the margin of error, if that makes sense, where you're sitting there saying, okay, it's about even and along the margins, you're going to sit there and say, all right, maybe this start was better. This run of starts from Corey Kluber say is better than what Masahiro Tanaka would do. And maybe there's a stretch of time where you say, ah, it's worse, but it probably works out to, to about the same. Well, it's within the margin of error, but the range of possibilities is vast. I think that's true. It could be disastrous. And you're in a situation where, you know, Michael King and Loisica are your three and four by July. That could happen. Or it could be so astronomically good that you're going into the postseason with uh, Tyone, who's who's mid-range to, to elite in the rotation. Severino regains his 2018-2017 his form. Kluber is at least somewhat what he used to be. Not all the way, of course, but somewhat there. And Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. So there is a broad range of possibilities. I don't love that as a Yankee fan because you're the big market team. You're the supposed World Series favorite, or at least you want to be in an ideal world. And you're going into the season not knowing whether this will completely erupt in your face. But I do like the fact that you have the outside possibility of being just an all-world rotation. Yeah, and, and I think that's something you have to ex be excited about. And you also have to remember, you have possibly three guys in this rotation who have either won the Cy Young in the past or pitched at a Cy Young level in the past in Kluber, in Cole, and I would argue for most of 2018 in Luis Severino. So you're banking on that upside. Whether it comes through or not, I think that's a very open question. And, and as you said, they are an injury or two away from – giving some starts to guys you would rather not give starts to or having bullpen games. And that is definitely not what you want. But I think what the Yankees have done here is twofold. One, they've obviously improved the rotation, but I think they've also bought themselves something in terms of perception, which I also think is important where the fans are sitting there and saying, you know what? Hey, the front office did do something. And I think that's probably as important as anything because they would, put up these hypothetical rotation graphics in December and you're sitting there looking at it going, they cannot, cannot go into the season with that. And the Yankees knew that everyone knew that. So they go out, they get a couple guys. We'll see how it goes, but I think they're in a better place now than they were a few weeks ago. So I think the remainder of the Yankee off season, as we look forward, probably housekeeping at this point, you may be looking at a, a reunite with Brett Gardner that's potential and has been discussed over the last few days. I'm not sure I agree with it. I think it might be time to move on. 
I was in favor of bringing in someone like Michael Brantley before he signed with Houston, adding another another lefty bat that that is very similar to the likes of LeMahieu. That's not happening. So I do think the Gardner reunion probably happens, but not much on top of that. Maybe a bullpen move because Adovino today goes to Boston, which I, that was the last destination I expected. I expected some NL Central team like the Pirates where the Yankees just said, okay, sayonara. Now you're dealing with Adovino in your own division. And Jimmy, that is a fall from graces. Before we move on to the Mets, that is a real fall from graces for a guy who in 2019 was untouchable through August. And you were regarding as probably one of the 10 best relievers in baseball for about two thirds of the season. He has a horrible finish, horrible postseason. He has a 10 run inning against the blue Jays this year that ballooned his ERA. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen bad postseason this year when he gets another shot. Yankee fans completely out of their graces. Now he's a Boston Red Sox. So how did that happen? I just want to backtrack a little bit here. I think it's funny. You and I had done a few nosebleeds episodes in the summer of 2019. And I have brought up on several occasions, the compare and contrast about how brilliant the Yankees were to sign Adam Adovino while the Mets gave the same amount of money to Jerry's Familia. All I'm going to say is Jerry's Familia is still on the Mets. So that's, I'm going to leave that there. Uh, I'm not saying that's indicative of anything, but. Hey, uh, one outlasted the other. I will also say that it shows you about what the Yankees think of Adam Adovino right now. They didn't trade him to the Red Sox. They sold him to the Red Sox. They got money back in return. They give up a prospect to Boston. I mean, this was like an NBA type salary cap move. Um, We'll see what happens with Adovino. I'm skeptical that he could get back to anything um, near where he was in the first half of 2019. I don't know how effective of a reliever he could possibly be. You know, even when he was doing really well, he was still walking way too many guys. And he had that same problem last year. Uh, the command is not there. And pretty much everything tells you that at 35 years old, he's probably not going to radically change as a pitcher after what you've seen out of him in Colorado and now with the Yankees. So they get rid of Adovino. It's a bizarre move. I was really surprised to see it today. Um, do I read anything into it other than that? He's probably done with his best days as a reliever. No, I don't. Boston needed a, a body, a warm body in that bullpen. That's where they're at in their off season right now. They get that in Adam Adovino, but they're still going to be pretty terrible next year. I think. That contract for the Yankees goes from about an A in 2019 to an F. I don't think anyone would would be memorable about the, the, the time that Adam Adovino spent as a New York Yankee. That'll be an afterthought in about a year or two. So there's that. The Yankees probably add to the bullpen, a marginal move here or there. But across town, the Mets, who, who couldn't stay out of the headlines over – the first couple of weeks of the new year, Francisco Lindor becomes a New York Met. Then things go south with, with Jared Porter and the whole scandal there. And it seems to be, since that transpired, there seems to be a lot more pessimism surrounding the organization. Not having anything to do with, with Jared Porter, essentially. That's a horrific situation, and it was dealt with accordingly. But 
a couple of moves have transpired. You have George Springer going to the Blue Jays. You have Francisco Lindor, not not Francisco Lindor. You have Brad Hand signing with your division rival in the Washington Nationals. And all of a sudden, two of the targets that that you realistically thought in the beginning of this offseason with Steve Cohen at the helm would be New York Mets are not in the equation. You have Lindor, so it changes the the narrative per se. But my backup plan from a Mets perspective was you don't get Springer because you brought in Lindor fine. But that means JBJ, that Jackie Bradley Jr., and Brad Hand were going to be Mets. That was my backup plan to Springer. One of those guys is out, and he's in, in your division with a different team. So, Jimmy, are you – where are you in terms of ultimatums for this Mets offseason? Because at this stage, I'm thinking – you don't make another big move and I'm marking it as a failure because you brought in Lindor great, but this was supposed to be something spectacular this off season and not getting Springer, not going to plan B behind Springer leads me to believe it's either a big move with Bauer or it's bust. Yeah. I don't think I'm as pessimistic as you might be on this one. I think with the Brad hand situation, the Mets had gone to a second year. They were willing to give that to him. The problem is he wouldn't be the closer in this bullpen. It would probably be Seth Lugo right now. And so they couldn't assure him that he goes to Washington. They might still get Jackie Bradley Jr. I think they need a center fielder. Um, Brandon Nimmo is okay in center field. Uh, Right now you don't have a DH in the national league that factors into the Mets plans greatly. I think ultimately there will be, but right now you don't have that. So you can't bank on it. It's very interesting when you look at Springer because you go out and get Springer now and you've probably got another two or three years if you want to push it of George Springer in center field and then you've got to move him and you're probably moving him to right field because there's less real estate to cover there in city field. So then that means you're probably getting rid of Michael Conforto at some point. So that was the choice they made there. They go with Conforto, which I think would probably be a better investment, but now you have to extend him and you have to extend Lindor, I think as well. Um, in terms of the Bauer thing, this is where I'm at least looking right now. And if they go out and get Trevor Bauer and they're able to extend Francisco Lindor, you are flying past the luxury tax threshold all of a sudden, because there's this perception around the Mets that they had not spent money over the past few years. And while that's somewhat true, they didn't spend money commensurate with typical big market teams, but they were still, you know, in the fringes of the top 10 payroll wise. It's not like they were down there with you know, the Oakland A's in terms of spending. So that was perception. Right. And, and to an extent, I think people were, were right to feel that way, but it, it wasn't entirely true. Like that was very deceptive. That being said, you go out and get Bauer and it seems like with Bauer, it's heading towards a shorter term deal to maybe three years and you give him a very high average annual value. Now you're blowing past the luxury tax. And what I think you have to ask yourself is with Trevor Bauer, Cy Young Award winner, there's questions about him both on the field and off the field. You have to sit there and say, is this the guy we blow through the luxury tax for? Because everybody thought that was going to be George Springer. And now that he's off the board, the next target's probably Bauer. Sandy Alderson loves him. This is a change in direction after the Jared Porter firing. Um, and whether or not they invest in him, we'll see. Um, but if, if you were to to 
hold me at gunpoint right now and say who's going to get Trevor Bauer, I'm probably saying the New York Mets. Um, and yeah, that's speculation, by the way. I don't, I don't know anything about this, but just if I were to guess, Sandy Alderson likes the guy, the Mets need another starter, and I think they also do feel that need to make another big move. So now if they do get Trevor Bauer, I think it's a home run of an offseason. Like you couldn't convince me otherwise because you brought in Francisco Lindor. You significantly upgraded the starting rotation and its depth with Carlos Carrasco. You brought in Trevor May. You'll probably bring in another reliever just as a depth piece. And then you have Bauer atop the rotation with DeGrom rather than DeGrom and maybe Cindergaard, maybe this, maybe that. So if Bauer comes – that's a completely different situation. But I just feel if, if Bauer doesn't come or just as we currently stand, because Bauer isn't a Met yet, we're affording this new regime a lot of mulligans here where it's almost like Lindor's a great move, brought in Carrasco while you're at it, great. But I don't want a second-place mentality from the Mets. You don't only want to be better than you were last year, which I think it's safe to say they are, you want to be the first place team in the NL East and the Braves are still going to be there. The Phillies will be competitive, still a good division. Marlins are on the up and up. So while the Mets are up there, I want them to be representative of what their payroll will be, which may not be over the luxury tax, but it's going to be close or over. So I want the Mets to be a first place team. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And right now I don't think they quite are but they probably need one or two more significant moves to make that happen. I also think it's important to note here that we've gotten a lot of mixed messages from the Mets front office this offseason. Now, it also helps that their front office is in tatters right now after the Jared Porter situation. Um, but at the beginning of the offseason, Sandy Alderson, I think he told WFAN, he said Trevor Bauer is a great personality. He'd fit really well in New York. He's a guy we'd like to get. So you're thinking, okay, they're going to maybe throw a lot of money at him. Then you get into December, you hire Jared Porter, and he was talking in his press conference about back end of the rotation depth. And a guy like Carlos Carrasco kind of fits that profile. Now, Carrasco is capable of being a second or third starter, but he he's not the showpiece of your starting rotation, and he's definitely not the showpiece of your starting rotation when you have Jacob DeGrom. The Jared Porter incident happens. The Mets have no choice but to fire him. And now it seems they've gone back the other way again on a Trevor Bauer saying, this is the guy we want to go out and get. And it's not just Bauer because you remember earlier in the off season, um, it, it looked like a sure thing that they were going to go out and get Springer blue Jays swoop in. I think the events of last week might've helped the blue Jays along there a little bit as well. Cause they, gave Springer a really high number when the Mets were in disarray after the, the Porter situation, they went out and got him. And, and you remember they go out and sign James McCann as their catcher thinking that they're going to spend that money elsewhere. Um, you know, how is the rest of that money going to be spent? Because there's probably about $30 million there to spend. Do you spend all of it on Trevor Bauer? Because that's probably what it's going to take and maybe even more if it's a shorter deal, or do you spend that on going out and getting a Jackie Bradley Jr. for, say, 10 or $12 million? going out and getting another solid bullpen piece? You know, maybe they're not out on Liam Hendricks. Who knows? I'm just spitballing here. Maybe you go out and get a Jake Odorizic. 
that's a tough call. I would actually be more inclined for the second option because I think that I helps agree. them in a lot of more areas. And, you know, there's also the, the question, is Trevor Bauer as good as what we saw last year? Because keep in mind, a lot of Trevor Bauer's starts last year were against some of the bottom tier offenses in baseball. And I think that has to be accounted for as well. So there's some tough calls for the Mets. If I were them the rest of this offseason, I try to get Jackie Bradley Jr. I get another bullpen piece. I get one more starter. I say, what the hell? And I call the, the Cubs about Chris Bryant. Maybe the Rockies about Nolan Arenado. And besides that, I think I call it a day. Like I would, I would be out on Trevor Bauer personally. I think you can justify multiple small moves as opposed to the big move. When I look at the Mets and, and I'm trying to envision what the championship team is. And with that, of course, comes the NL East title. You're looking at a complete rotation with Carlos Carrasco helping out and helping shore out that rotation. You need a strong bullpen, the likes of which they haven't had the last couple of years. And you probably need to round out this, this offense and, and defensive alignment per se with the center fielder. So uh, a Bradley jr. And a bullpen piece, I think probably would fit the bill. I still don't believe at this stage that the Mets bullpen is solved because they've had so many issues there the last few years. If I'm a Mets fan, I just don't trust it until I, I see the pieces assembled. So Trevor May helps that fold, keeping Seth Lugo there rather than having him be a rotation piece, which the Carrasco move helped. That helps you there. You have Familia, like you mentioned before, out of the Yankees don't have out of Eno. You have Edwin Diaz still out there. A couple question marks. So... What exactly is this bullpen? If you add another piece, if you get a Liam Hendricks, I think this is a, a prominent bullpen. Right now, I'm still 50-50 on it. So if you get a Bauer, probably precludes you from making a major upgrade to the bullpen. If you don't, you can. So I think that's the major question surrounding the Mets right now. Yeah, and I also think it's funny you look at the Mets bullpen. I think a lot hinges on Edwin Diaz because Edwin Diaz was great last year and the rest of the bullpen was a mess. And Edwin Diaz had a couple bad outings and those got magnified because, because that's how it goes. I will say this for Edwin Diaz. Um, I think not having people in the ballpark last year actually really helped him. Um, and I know that sounds like a bad thing to say, but he got booed off the mound so many times last uh, 2019, I should say. And I think psychologically that really helped him not having that. You know, he would give up a, a big home run in the ninth and, and nobody's there. And he was pretty good last year. You take away, and I, I don't like to do this. It's just like saying if the season started tomorrow, you take away this outing, you take away that outing. But uh, the ones that got magnified, I think of one in the top of my head, 7-2 against the Yankees and you blow the game at Yankee Stadium. That's one of those that balloons your ERA, completely demoralizes you confidence-wise. So there were a couple of bad outings, but – on the whole, I loved Edwin Diaz this past season. So you're right. That's the X factor right there because he's a guy who can be your closer at his best. And that moves Seth Lugo back into the seventh, eighth inning type role. You have Trevor May out there. You still have guys like Familia. You'll probably have another guy to, to eat up some innings. So is Steven Matz going to be in that bullpen as well? I'm not that's, sure. That's another thing they have to figure out because right now, You've got a battle for the fifth starter between Steven Matz and Joey Lucchese, who they got from the Padres. 
and the loser of that probably goes to the bullpen. I'm inclined to think that right now, if they don't add anybody to the starting rotation, that Lucchese is going to make it um, just because I didn't like anything that I saw out of Steven Matz last year. And I think he could be a really interesting bullpen arm. Lucchese, I don't know about in the bullpen because he's you know kind of a soft tossing lefty and you have the three batter minimum. So I don't know how well that would go. Um, but th- that's where they're at right now, where you, you've got two lefties who have, had up and down starts to their careers who have shown really good flashes at times. And you have to figure out in spring training, okay, who's going to be that fifth starter right now. Of course that is unless you go out and get another guy. Maybe that guy's Trevor Bauer. Who knows? The positive right now with all these questions, they're good questions to ask. They're good problems to have, as people would say, the Yankees and the Mets. I think it's safe to say right now, they're both headed to the 2021 major league baseball postseason as currently constituted, barring some catastrophe. I think with the, whether it's expanded playoffs, whether it's, whether it's just playoffs in general, I think they're both in that upper echelon of their respective leagues. And it's going to be a fun summer in New York for both sides for the first time in quite some time. Jimmy, fun time with you as always. We'll be back for more editions of Nosebleeds to break down all the happenings in Major League Baseball. It's on WFUVsports.org, wherever you get your shows. He's Jimmy Sullivan, Emmanuel Barbari. We'll see you next time.